Welcome to Leadership Wisdom Podcast, part of the cultural influencers from Christian International and Chantel Cooley Ministries. Here we discuss and share leadership lessons, stories, and experiences to help you move forward in life. Welcome to Leadership Wisdom Podcast. We're super excited to be with you here today, and I have some special guests, Solomon and Michelle Laforianza. They are my pastors. They pastor in the Gulf Shores Foley area in Alabama. And um, I couldn't think of anyone better to talk about the recent racial um, concerns that are going on right now due to uh, George Floyd's death. And uh, welcome, Michelle and Solomon. Thank you very much, Chantel. It's a pleasure to be here. It's good to be here, Chantel. Thanks so much. Well, I always enjoy being with you guys. I think we were on, um, we, we did our own TV show for quite some time together. Yep, moving forward. Yes, we missed it. We really enjoyed that. (laughs) So we're pretty used to being with each other. Um, And I I really want to dive into this topic. Um, I think you guys are the best to bring hope and to hear your perspectives on it. So um, just jump in and let's go with it. Yeah, um, Michelle and I were doing um, a little research and we realized that it's been about 401 year since uh, the first slave ship docked uh, on the shores of the United States. And if you look at the scriptures, you realize that the Israelites uh, were, the, the law said that the Israelites were going to be in captivity for 400 years. And of course, they were in captivity for 430 years uh, in Egypt. The question I believe um we should be asking is whether all this uprising that is going on, of course, even though it was started by, by wickedness, an act of wickedness, whether it is a stirring to bring an end to this this whole um, black uh, captivity and, and bring it a level of emancipation that we've never experienced, or perhaps even true emancipation. So I'm wondering spiritually whether uh, this is part of God bringing a stirring in all of our psyche and the conscience of the nation to bring a change and transformation um, in the Black Captivity story. What do you think, Michelle? Yeah, I think I think that's really profound. Um, I think that it is an extraordinarily difficult time. There's a lot of trauma and angst that uh, the African-Americans are feeling. And not just African Americans, but that all of America is feeling as they see, you know, what has happened, and they're they're kind of it, it's really uh, forcing us to look at ourselves. And I think um, I agree with Solomon that this is a really powerful moment. It's a time for um, us as a nation to uh, to look at okay, what can we do to move forward, um, to move forward, and offer real opportunity. You know, Chantal, we were talking, you and I and Solomon, about what we can do, how we can really impact people that are marginalized, that are not treated well, that are hurting, how we can really impact them. And um, in this situation, because it is so um, heightened, uh, the hurt, the trauma is so real, um, it's difficult to get past that. Um, but I want to not invalidate that, but also say there are real things that we can do. And what is it that we can do to help? And I think you as a as an entrepreneur, as a, 
education um, specialist, educator, education specialist, you, you, I think, are really uniquely positioned to be able to speak to those things. And of course, having a heart for, for people who have um, been overlooked and mistreated um, from your own experience in your lifetime. But I, I think it's really important in this season to not uh, waste this moment. As Solomon said, this is a really generational moment. This is a shift that's happening. And you see kind of the birthing pains. You see the ugly. So we want this to actually come to full fruition um, as a country, as a nation. Yeah, that's good. And it's an opportunity for us to rise up and take our place right in the middle of the pandemic. This is going on. But I think it's it's time for us to figure out how can we be a part of the change to fix instead of looking on the outside, we can jump in and be a part of it. And I think that's what we, we talked about this morning, that we were going to be a church that was a part of the change and to um, help people, help young people that feel like they're never going to get out of the situation they're in, we can bring life to that. And that is what I think is so special. Yeah, and, and I want to just step back a little bit. Everything that has happened in this year, 2020, um, has been very shocking. I, I, I think we all woke up to a world um, that was besieged by the pandemic. Uh, and just as it is receding and we are beginning to come out uh, to lift up our head and, and take a, a little breath fresh air, uh, there's another call. Someone says, I cannot breathe. And so now we are back again into heightened, really heightened racial tensions. And I think that the, the nations, not just this nation, but the nations is being shocked into a certain level of reality where we put value on life to a whole different degree. And I think that the United States in particular is being called to pay attention to the voices of, of, of the black community that has been silenced for so long. So I think that it is time for us as a church, as a people, to really take a, a deeper look because we've had two awakenings so far this year. We've had this pandemic and this heightened racial tensions. And we want to make sure that we don't have a third one that comes to just uh, um, get this off course. So it is time for us to put our act together. And I think that if we rise up as a people, we'll, make, we'll be able to make a difference in the generation. And, and I think that in, in this moment, it calls for empathy. And empathy is not where, where you say, I'm so sorry, but it's where you get in and you feel their pain and you're moved to act. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is, is the call, um, is that uh, it's important to, to say on social media, this is wrong. There is hardly anybody on the face of this earth that sees that video of George Floyd and disagrees that it is atrocious. It is, it is a murder and it is really ugly and heinous. I, I, I've yet to get all the way through it. It's just horrific. And uh, so that is one thing, but empathy is where you're moved to act. That's where you say, okay, what can I do? How can we get involved? And for Solomon and I, um, as an interracial couple, as an international couple, um, looking at this from a very uh, a Christian perspective, we believe that God speaks and moves today. We believe that we are his hands and his feet. What do we need to do? as his hands and feet today. 
And I think it is, as Solomon and I have talked about, we don't, we're not looking for another reconciliation service. What we're looking for is change. Okay, let's move forward. We don't need any more apologies. Uh, we really don't. That That's not what we're looking for. In this season, we want to say, okay, how can we help marginalized people, people whose voices are not heard, who are not important, uh, who are seemingly not important? And um, and that cuts across. And I think uh, where we come to is the importance of education, the importance of business skills, emotional intelligence, looking at how to change the systems, uh, that there are some real uh, specific things that we can do on a very micro level and on a macro level. And I think it's really, really important that we don't just focus on the problem and get hopeless because what we see now with, with the protests turning into looting. The looting is hope deferred makes the heart sick. The protests are, I'm hopeful for change. The looting is, there's no change going to happen. We're just going to burn it all down, right? And so we want to, to inspire, spark and inspire hope that there is going to be change because people are not going to look away. When this goes, when this dies down in a week or two or a month. And so, um, Solomon, of course, you're a pastor, you and Michelle, at a Wisdom House Church. And um, it's an upcoming church, and it's very exciting to be a part of it. Um, maybe tell a little bit about your background, and then, of course, you're going to be preaching this Sunday. Uh, I'm sure a lot's on your mind how to talk and bring hope to the community. Yeah, um, I come from originally from Ghana, West Africa. Um, I grew up uh, a majority. I didn't grow up a minority. Um, all the presidents where I come from were black. Uh, the doctors were black. The lawyers were black. Everybody was black. Um, I have classmates who are lawyers, doctors, uh, people who serve in government uh, back home. So um, I didn't grow up. Uh, the same way uh, some African-Americans here grew up where uh, they didn't grow up close to black lawyers or black doctors or they didn't know for a long time that a black person could be president. And so I I really had a real culture shock when I came to the United States and realized some of the struggles that are going on because it was one thing to read it about it in textbooks and on the news and it is another thing to experience it and to experience how it is insidious, and sometimes you don't know that it is there, but it is there, and the jobs, doing the looking for jobs, and you can't find jobs, you know, different ways in which it comes at you. And I think that for a long time, uh, it, it, it shattered my confidence. My confidence, I came here very tall, very strong, very bold, very courageous, you know, willing to take on any challenge. And for a while, when I came against the system and, and saw the level in which prejudice had really um, perpetrated and infected the system, it really, really crushed uh, my confidence. And it took a long while to, to recover, to come to a place where I believed again that I could do anything, be anything, and confront anything. And I think that there's a lot of people right now, both uh, black community especially, but perhaps even other minorities and, and even some in the poor uh, white areas who may feel disenfranchised who don't see any way forward. And so what I want to do as, as a pastor is launch an initiative calling it Beyond the Vote. And my goal with that initiative is to say, that, okay, yes, you need to vote. You want to vote your conscience. You want to vote for change. 
perhaps even vote your pocketbook. But you can do more than just vote. The, the vote is just a start. Uh, you could yourself run for office. And I think there are a lot of good people who are not running for office. And that's one area that I think that the church ought to look at and seek out and promote people and help people with good conscience, people with strong Christian ethics and worldview and background who can then go and run for office and bring change and speak for people, you know, in, in high places. But that is just another thing. There's something that each and every one of us can do in little ways, some small ways. And, and I want to promote that as a church. Yeah, that's very good. Um, you know, I think with my life and my background, and we wrote a book together, you guys helped me called Winning the Game of Life. You know, it's not fun to be an underdog. And the feeling that is when no one wanted to hire my dad and, and the feeling that we went through is like extreme hopelessness. Yeah. And it didn't feel good. And it makes you feel like you're, you're not even should exist because you're not good enough. And I think, um, you know, getting out in the community and we don't have to preach, you know, Jesus because we're full of him and we can walk out and just be so full of God and it changes lives right where they are. What do you think about that? I mean, I think it's time that a lot of churches are already in the community, but um, I think there's another level to it. Yes, that it's good to be in the community. And I think that we've talked about uh, which now we're going to start this special program for the youth. Um, um, younger, uh, younger um, and I think we, we have to be strategic. Um, I, I talk about challenging the darkness, and to challenge the darkness, you, you must do it strategically. And I think that by the time a lot of black youth go through a high school, they're really, really on the way out, depending on the schools that they go through and whether they have uh, parental help and things like that. It's like they're really getting out of the high schools into hopelessness. And so I want to see if we can launch programs at a high school level, not just on the local level, but perhaps even on the national level, that can find a way to really reach out to, to black youth, especially, you know, especially in our race communities, where we can, we can catch them young and make sure that they don't grow out of high school with criminal records and, and out of juvie halls and end up not being able to become um, very positive influences in the community and end up in jail. I think these are where some of these problems come from. And, and, and people, black people who are privileged, like us and other white people who are privileged, can all come together and say, how do we put our resources together to make sure that we can, re we can bring real change? I don't just want to change one life, okay? Because the, the problem is so massive. I want to change the lives of hundreds of thousands. And I applaud those who are giving scholarships and, and things to different, different black people. And that is great. But that goes to only those who who have who who, are, who have high IQ or who are doing well at school. How about those who are average? Aren't they worthy of our support as well? How about those who can play basketball, who can play soccer, or who can play any other sport? Aren't, aren't they worthy of our support as well? Just because they, they are created in the image of God. So I want us to do something that reaches out to everybody, regardless of of, of how well they do at school or how well they you know doing. 
let's let's try and catch them before they get to juvie hall. So this is my passion. And I think it goes to um, what you're talking about with systemic things is is finding a way of encouraging and supporting a marginalized people when they are um, pushed down by the system, by their communities, by whatever else is going on. You know, I had, I had a very small taste of this. Um, you know, I, uh, in my um, mid-20s, I uh, did job searches. I had no problem finding jobs. Multiple interviews, multiple job inter- job offers. Really simple, really easy. I married my husband, who has a, a very African last name. I then had a very African last name. And from then on, I was not able to hardly ever get a call back. I did not get a call back. I never got interviews. I, I got one temporary job. It was it was really, really difficult. And I was told that my name was too black. I needed to try my maiden name so that I wouldn't appear too black. And I thought, I wouldn't do it. I'm just too stubborn to do that. But that is many times told to people um, who are who are marginalized people that they are not uh, valuable, they're not worth. They have to tone themselves down. They have to change themselves. Um, you know, Solomon as a big, strong black man, he has to be make sure that he's really not threatening. Make sure that he's you know calm and make sure that he doesn't intimidate people. He has to be very you know temper himself and all these things so that he's not threatening. He is the biggest teddy bear on the face of the planet. But that is, you know, that is what society does, right? And so what we want to do is find a way to reach people when they're feeling crushed by this system and say, listen, you are valuable. This is the way that you channel yourself. This is the way that you you can approach things. And this is how we're going to help you to get to the next level. That it doesn't matter what society says or thinks. You are going to have the support that you need to be able to excel. Yeah, that's very good, and and I think you're a great one to um, talk to. I think um, you you of course you said you're in an interracial marriage, and so you've been um, you're one to talk on the other side, and you've had a lot of people ask you questions about how you're dealing with it, Michelle. You know, I think um, it, it's been a heartbreaking couple weeks. I, I'm I'm not gonna lie, I, it feels like um, this past couple weeks has, uh, Solomon, I think, hit the nail on the head. He said it, he, it exacerbated everything. We just felt like, really, this is happening too. Like, it's so dramatic. And, and, um, the hard part, I think, is that, uh, you know, that there are so many problems going on, especially with the coronavirus. You guys, some people that have lost their jobs, people that are upset and, and frustrated of all colors. And then you have this racial thing on top of it. And you're like, how do you address this real issue where people are not treated well because of their color with people that are also struggling no matter what? And so trying to manage that and trying to uh, to process that as leaders and to walk people through it, empathize with people, um, encourage them and tell them that, that we are there for them, that we support. Um, and, and it's difficult because... You know, I think that people want to, um, people want to have, you know, all lives to matter. And the problem, I put this in, in a post on Facebook that all lives do matter, but in a 911 emergency, it's the one life, the one house that is currently being broken into. That's the address we need. If we don't have that address, we can't help that house. 
So telling me that all houses matter doesn't help me when my house is being broken into. And that's the hard part in this season is that um, it, it is uh, it is a very serious, traumatic, difficult issue uh, for African Americans and uh, for those of us who love African Americans. Who my husband um, has to be careful what he does and how he does it. And and you, you're concerned about that. You you do think about that, and you know that God is faithful and that He protects us and we don't walk in fear. But it's a real thing. And so I think that um, as as white Americans. The first thing for us is to say, you're not crazy. These things are real. They happen. And that's why I share my story, because I think it's important for people to know this has happened to me in a very small way. Nothing that's happened to me is anywhere near as dramatic as, as what a lot of people go through. But sometimes it helps people relate and say, hey, this is a real thing. Um, and so you know, I hope that helps. That's good, Michelle. And, of course, we're running out of time. We're going to go ahead and do a... Um, Another podcast with you guys, because I think uh, what you have to say in the next podcast will bring hope to those listening. Uh, a lot of those who are listening are um, pastors as well, Pastor Solomon. And what can you say to them? Because you're going to be preaching this Sunday. And you can give, um, you know, to encourage those that are dealing with this situation, how to, how to go about it in the most powerful way that God would want. What one one thing that's really encouraged me as as an African and a, as, a, as a black man is is the fact that Jesus himself was born a minority. Um, it's, it's really made a huge difference coming up coming into that realization that Jesus was not a majority. He was a minority. He was born into in a time where uh, his people were really greatly oppressed, and the Jewish people themselves have been really oppressed. And so that has really, really comforted me to come to a place of realize that Jesus has, has lived my life. He He knows my story. We are He He, he is uh, we are Him. He He's been where we are right now, and He still learned to love. He still learned to forgive uh, those who persecuted Him. He still learned to even die for them. And so the first thing I want to say is that Jesus has been lived our lives. He understands the life mm-hmm. of the minority. So, the, so that the people can feel comforted and know that God is still on the on their side. God still loves them just the, just the way they are. Their race, he didn't come through a superior race. He came, he came through a, a, a race that was brutalized. That have been through several occupations, several abuses. So, so that we know that God still loves us. And the second thing I want to say is that as long as good people like you, as long as good people like Shindla, as long as people uh, rise up to, to to the to the darkness, and even now we see police police uh, and, and black people embracing each other, kneeling, confessing, crying together. As long as we, we rise up, there is hope for a better future for all races. So I want to encourage them with that. That's so good, Pastor Solomon and. Pastor Michelle, it's been great to have you. I think you brought so much hope um, to those that are listening. And um, I bet we're going to have quite a few listeners. Uh, We're growing with our podcast. I'm so proud that um, all of you are supporting us. For more information on Christian International, visit ChristianInternational.com. 
And for more information on Chantel Cooley Ministries, visit ChantelCooley.com.